long story-ish yeah. short, I came back to teaching in 2017 and recognized the amount of stress high school students were under to achieve a mystical GPA that would guarantee them entrance into some college that would then guarantee them success. Um, these were kids that were having panic attacks in class because they got a 95 instead of a hundred. These were kids that were depressed because they weren't getting the grade they wanted in a class. We had an influx of children that was just overwhelmed. And I thought, wait a minute, this is not okay. This is not okay. Welcome to Imperfect Parenting. I'm Ariel Green Anderson. My name is Matt Anderson. We're bringing you raw, real, and unfiltered stories from around the world. Are you an IP parent? Hey, it's Ariel Anderson, and you just heard Stephanie R. Haynes. Uh, she's the author of College is Not Mandatory, A Parent's Guide to Navigating All the Options Available to Our Kids After High School. Now, the book is mainly uh, focused on U.S style of experience, yet I know that there is something here for you no matter where you are in the world because uh, at any age, actually reading this well before your kids are ready for school can be super helpful. And as well with all the transitions that are happening in the world, and you know I'm well aware of that from all the transitions we've had, uh, it's also going to be really helpful for you. And she actually, Stephanie, has examples in here of parent experiences as well as student experiences. And it's written in such a way that it's really simple to move through, even when you have little tiny bits of time between things, uh, to navigate it really easily. And uh, wherever you are, you know, you may be going through your own choices right now. Your kids might. You might be worried about, oh gosh, our finances changed. And so that college thing that seemed like the, the one choice, you know, doesn't feel as doable right now. Or maybe you have lots of opportunity and abundance, yet you are watching your kids not seemingly do well with testing and the traditional style of schooling, or you see, you're starting to see what's bubbling up as far as their own passions. Hopefully you are looking at that. I think a lot of us get attached to what we think needs to happen in order for abundance and success and not worrying about our kids, right? You don't want to worry about them. You want them to be happy and you want them to not have stress. And so part of that is looking at what their actual path is and the discussion and the conversation we have today uh, really digs into that and I think it's going to be something for you so uh, and stick around to the end she has some really juicy advice at the very end uh, so I you know I want you to get that all right I hope you have a beautifully imperfect day uh, don't forget to subscribe if you uh, haven't already done so if you're new welcome here and um, remember I have uh, midlife fertility and pregnancy for over 40 on Fridays on YouTube at 10. That link is down below. And I'm accepting one new client um, up until midnight. I will be taking applications uh, for one-on-one because I don't do much of that anymore. And I've got some good stuff on the horizon, so I can't wait. And there's freebies down below as well for the uh, fertility over 40. I just have to throw that in there, you know. But here anyway is Stephanie Haynes. Such a good conversation. Jump right in and I'll Hello, Stephanie Haynes. 
Good to see you. Yay. How are you? <laughs> Not bad. Nice, rainy, cloudy day here in Northern Cal. How about yeah, you? I, I heard um, on kind of listening to a couple of podcasts, you're living in um, Sebastopol, right? Yes. I moved from Prague to Sebastopol. Well, to Healdsburg to Sebastopol. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I grew up in the Bay Area. I grew up in Martinez and oh, Pleasant yeah. Hill and Walnut Creek and spent most of my life there until we moved out and came out to South Carolina and Missouri and a few other places. So I totally get it. It's, you know, it's a great place to be. And we actually have, I don't know, we have a cabin up at Russian River. So, oh, you know, it's yeah. kind of fun. So, you know, the area. Yeah, that's yeah, kind of cool. definitely. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, it's so good to have you. And, Thank you. You know, talk about yeah. college is not mandatory. A parent's guide to navigating all the options available to our kids after high school. And honestly, I have to say, Stephanie, I've got the book in my hand. Uh, and I think to myself, I think it's not just for the kids in this moment in time. It's really mm-hmm. also the parents. And I know you've got some pieces in there. And I wanted to mention before we dive in, because I, uh, I want to hear a little bit about what brought you to this moment yeah, of this sure. book, which is so always so important. Uh, but I also just want to say that I love the feeling of your book. You know, oh, the whole experience you. is really important to me <laughs> as a yep, person yep. and as a parent. It feels good. I love the size of it. I can hold it in my hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels really like that sort of a, the guide or a guidebook uh, or, you know, a handbook of some sort where you really can just carry it around with you, throw it in your purse um, or your bag and, um, you know, access it in between the madness of life, which I think in parenting, as we all know, happens a lot. It, it does. So, it really does. Thank that. you for that feedback. I love it. We were very, very intentional about the size of the book that I was going to put out, the weight, the thickness of it in terms of how many yes. pages it was going to be in there because the demographic does not have a lot of time and needs answers quick. They don't want to have to weed through research. Just give me the answers. Tell me how yes. to get there. I'll research on my own if I want more information. Yeah. And you feel that when in the setup too, just it's very simple, straightforward. The font is big enough that you don't have to even, well, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm over 50, so I don't have to pull out any me glasses too. of any sort. And, and just the way that it's laid out, you know, they're little vignettes where you can, you could actually get something, have that lovely feeling of accomplishment of, oh, I read something and not like you're in the middle and where am I, am I going to remember where I was? So that if you have that couple minutes, you can kind of go through, oh, you get it, get through an experience, soak it in and then come back to, I, I do love that. So, you know, I really feel your intentions and how you set it up. Thank you. I appreciate for it. us. <laughs> yes, <know? laughs> for sure. It's definitely written for parents. It's not written for teenagers simply because teenagers, I feel, aren't going to pick up a book and read about it. You know, if it's a good fit and your son or daughter wants to read it, then I think they can actually glean information from it for sure. But it's, I think, the parents that are the target audience here to help them understand the, the benefits of looking at all the other options so they can let go of it has to be one way or my kid's not going to be successful or I'm not a successful parent. Right. And in this, well, in any day and age, but especially right now with things being different in the world, mm-hmm. I, it, it's such a, a key moment for this to come out because mm-hmm. people are struggling with, and I know coming from, you know, on both sides, some further back and some more recent, uh, you know, immigrant background, there's education was such a huge piece. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so important you go to school and have the mm-hmm. education and you go as far as you can go and, you know, and they'll, you know, um, do whatever they can financially to make that happen in the best way possible, which mm-hmm. sometimes isn't even what the kids want. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, we've all seen it with our, uh, you know, you see the people who are paying attention to the journey of the child and some people who have a very clear idea of what the right way is. And mm-hmm. hopefully there's something in the middle. Uh, right. <laughs> and, right. Exactly. Uh, and I, I really feel that in the book, but I'm getting ahead of myself. I want to <laughs> hear so much. 
Stephanie Moore, your story up to this moment, like what even inspired coming to this, you know, taking the time to do this amidst your own family, you know, life. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, just a little bit about you. You know, you mentioned Bay Area. Now you're in the other side of the the States. Country. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We grew up in California and um, I wanted to be a teacher since I was in second grade. I had an amazing, amazing second grade teacher. And I thought, oh, that's what I want to do. Cause she taught us how to make peanut butter and how to read books. I mean, how much more fun could you have? Right. I mean, I remember that lesson. I specifically remember it. So um, I went to California state university, Chico graduated with a degree in business, or excuse me, degree in English and a teaching credential and started teaching um, 10 years there in California and worked with a demographic of kids that generally were looked upon as you're not ever going to get high school if you're lucky and you're never going to go to college. Well, the group of teachers I worked with, that was not the dialogue we were using with them. And that was our belief system. And we believe that any kid could do whatever they wanted. And we instilled that belief into those children um, and discovered that once you told them and helped them believe that they could do something, they were willing to open up and own it and find a way to do whatever it was they wanted to do. And so we took a group of kids and taught in this program for about five years. And we took always took 75% had to be at risk of not graduating high school. hundred percent of our kids graduated high school out of all of every single one had either um, a certification in EMT or CNA, which is a certified assistant or was going off to a junior college. And at that point, that was a big deal. That was in the mm, early two thousands, late nineties. Right. So they were going off to do that, or they were getting ready and going off to a four-year college which was huge because most of them weren't even thought they could get into a four-year college or even graduate. So I learned a lot about kids at that point and thought, oh, okay. But college wasn't a huge thing in the education world. um, It had started to come down from the university system. Your kids aren't really coming prepared. You need to change some things to make them more prepared. And so we did, we worked on curriculum. We aligned some things. We, I created a whole bunch of college approved electives, all kinds of stuff because we wanted to make sure our kids could do what they needed to do to be successful. Well, that was in 2000 when I left teaching at that point to raise my kids. I have a dog scratching. I'm sorry. Is that 2008? I'm sorry. I missed the 2000 and 2002. My Two. son was born and that's when we ended up moving to South Carolina. And so I left that point career in South Carolina. So I stayed home. We ended up homeschooling our children. Went back into teaching and I can see here, it says it's unstable. I'm so sorry. Okay. Yeah, no, it, it's been freezing up like in your words a little bit. I'm so sorry. That's okay. That happens. Okay. So, um, long story ish yeah. short, I came back to teaching in 2017 and recognized the amount of stress high school students were under to achieve a mystical GPA that would guarantee them entrance into some college that would then guarantee them success. Um, these were kids that were having panic attacks in class because they got a 95 instead of a hundred. These were kids that were depressed because they weren't getting the grade they wanted in a class. We had an influx of children that was just overwhelmed. I thought, wait a minute, this is not okay. This is not okay. And I had spent several years between working with women who were overworked and didn't quite know how to life and how to manage parenthood and job or whatever else is going to be doing. And I realized that these kids had that same need. They didn't know how to get out from underneath the chaos they were in. And so I wrote a class for our school and I said, we got to teach these kids better how to handle high school. And we did. And in that, I realized we need to teach them a little bit more about how to prepare for life after high school as freshmen, because they're not thinking about it. Most high school students do not realize that their freshman grades are actually part of the trip. Wait, I'm going to have you repeat that because I lost the whole after, um, 
just at the point where you were talking about um, not them not realizing that freshman year was included in the GPA. And I remember thinking that too. You know, it starts yeah. in sophomore, junior. You don't really have to think about it before then. Ah. Right, <laughs> right. I, I, it's, it's, it's strange to me how many kids think that, like they haven't been told, by the way, you're freshman years. And so when we started realizing that, we taught them how to figure it out and how to work through it. And then we started hearing kids who are like, I don't, I'm not smart enough to go to college. I'm not going to be good enough to go to college. Or I don't really care because I don't want to go to college. Well, you have to listen when kids start saying that. We start saying more and more kids hearing that. Wait, you're in a dynamic human being. You have a perfect world. Just because it may not be college doesn't mean you're not smart and doesn't mean that you're not able. So what is this going on? Well, a couple of years after my son at that point was at that school and he graduated, he was going to be a senior that year. My daughter graduated that same year. She was going to be a senior at the university of Missouri. And I watched them wrestle with this same process. And as a parent, I had watched my kids wrestle with what are they going to do? How are they going to do this? My daughter going through the university of Missouri, she, we, we weren't sure about her at first, if she was even going to go to college, should she go to college? School was not her thing. And she wanted to prove to herself she could do it. And it was the worst four years of her life. And she wouldn't go give up. She wouldn't stop. And to her credit, she's a strong-willed child. And she put herself in that commitment and owned that commitment. She's now happily in cosmetology school and thriving because she found her place. My son, he wanted to be a collegiate athlete. We had to walk through that whole process in order for him to play at that next level and what all that took and what that looked like. So I didn't teach that senior year so that I could work with them. Well, in that time, I'm working with a bunch of other kids whose parents are like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help them. And the conversation kept being, well, what do we do? What do we do? And I thought, oh, wait, I know about all these other options. How come you don't? Where did I get this information that you don't have? And out that I just am that person. And I just learned that kind of thing because education's in my blood, apparently. And so during COVID, and I didn't plan on this, I just thought, okay, I'm going to write it all down. And I started with some blog posts about the different options and just did some research and thought, okay, that plus the coaching certification I have can really work together to help parents and learn how to coach their kids through this process instead of owning it for them. And that was the, I think that hit that, that really big target that most people just saw was there. And we're trying to ignore that. We try to make it as parents. It's about us and it really shouldn't be. And not that we don't want best things for our kids and all wonderful things. But when we own that process more than they do, it tends to create a demographic it creates a demographic that, oh, that is not unhealthy within a family, right? You're, you're constantly arguing. You're constantly fearful at teenagers, as much as they don't act like it, they are very afraid that they're going to not, they're not going to make their parents proud. They're very afraid that their parents are going to be disappointed in them. And they're terrified of saying to their parents what they might really want to do because their parents have probably been talking about something else for so long or comparing to other siblings or comparing to other, um, friends, you know, that kind of thing. And so it just, I thought there's gotta be a way to parents let go of the expectation that they might and instead find a better one. Yeah. And you brought up such an important piece. I mean, it's expectation and it's attachments, the idea of what was supposed to happen, the idea you had maybe even before the kids were born, you know, of how it was going to look. I mean, let's get real. How many of us had a gazillion ideas of things that would <laughs> never happen and would definitely right. happen that totally changed. And that's right. hard for to sure. let go of. <laughs> right. For sure. For our work, sure. for sure. But that, that piece that you mentioned about the fear is so, so strong because have you found that, you know, there's this, I just got chills. Actually, even when I said it, there's this combination, it's like both sides, you know, 
aren't the parents worried? They're fearful that they'll, their kids will struggle or be in pain or not have enough. And the kids are worried about pleasing and, oh, I don't want them to be disappointed in me. And everybody's sort of working with something and not necessarily the thing in the room. How do you manage that? When you see that, if you're, you know, doing coaching with a family or a parent, like what is the first, I don't want to say the first line of defense, but what is one of the first things you would do in that situation when you're seeing that happening? Yeah. A lot of it comes from my ass. I start asking those open-ended questions about, so what is the expectation that you have? How do you see that playing out? What benefits do you going to have? And how do you know that's actually going to happen? That last question is the big one that gets them because they tend to assume, well, they're going to go off to college. They're going to get a degree in, in business or whatever else. And then they're going to have a job. Okay. So the truth, the truth, <laughs> unfortunately, is, not always true. I mean, how many friends no. do we know in catering that had a master's right. in whatever, or yeah. Right. And when I point that out, it's like, they finally get this window opened up to let out whatever fear they have. Like, Oh, wait, we know you're right. I can see that's true. I never really thought about that for my child. So then we kind of open up and say, what does that look like now for your child? What could happen if you told your child, listen, I love you. Do whatever it is that you want. That's going to help you be successful, but let's discuss what success looks like to you. How can we help you build that? Well, own that level of success because it doesn't come just because you got a college degree. It comes because you worked hard to get into whatever it is you wanted to get into. So that tends to open up the conversation pretty well for most parents. I love that because I mean, I'm probably if each one of us sat down and thought about, we looked around in our circle, we'd see examples of where it, things worked and where they didn't and mm-hmm. where people surprised you. And in, I can say in my circle, a lot of the people that were incredibly successful, I know somebody who, you know, has a book publishing company no college degree, went down a completely different route. Like a lot of the people we can look, you know, even the famous people didn't necessarily go down traditional routes. Right. And I can remember in high school being, um, but there was a guy who was being, let's say, strongly pushed slash guided by his parents to take a route. I remember him being in college and thinking he's miserable. He doesn't uh-huh. want to be a lawyer like his dad. Right. And he had this hobby that nobody was paying attention to, which he had a studio and just long story short, he ended up working for Lucas studios doing sound. And it was that thing that he played around with, but he Uh had to go through the torture of Uh some of the college and, you know, things, not the grades, not great, the Mm -hmm. misery, all that Mm -hmm. stuff. And Mm -hmm. um, I I'm sure it was a very uncomfortable conversation and maybe it was the parents, you know, recognizing, wait a minute, what's our attachment to the outcome and the actual wait, don't we want our child to be happy, you know, right. if they pay attention and, you know, if you're lucky, you see it earlier, if you're, you know, but things happen the way they do. Right. And it's that's true. why you're here. <laughs> right. You know, it happened earlier. Hopefully, you know, that, well, uh-huh. all, all of us as parents, we want our kids to be happy. If you ask a parent what they think success for the child is, they'll tell you anything that makes them happy, what really makes them happy. But when it comes to deciding what to do after high school, the default seems to be right into college because that's where my kid's going to find how to be happy. And I don't agree with that. I don't think that college is a bad thing. I, I think college is a fantastic investment when it's the right fit for your child and what that child wants to do with their life. It's not a requirement and it's not a guarantee. And that's, I think, the disadvantage that we have. Our culture has been telling us for decades that it's a guaranteed success when you go to college. And it's not. 
it maybe was at the, you know, early nineties. And so people were getting these college degrees and getting all these great jobs and whatever, but it's not the truth today. And the investment that you make is higher than it has ever been. And you really want to take a moment to weigh that investment versus what you're planning on doing once you graduate. And is that investment worth what you're going to make as a result? And that almost always weighs out completely imbalanced. That means you don't have to go to Duke. It's just because you want to be a teacher and you want to go to Duke. Let's be clear. You're not making that money back. It's just not going to happen. And so when you stop and have that conversation about all of the options and figure out the career path and look at the career path as the starting point, and then how do each of those options fit into that career path, then you get a much healthier outlook on how to start that career and hopefully can keep yourself out of debt as much as possible. Most people will tell you if you go to college now and you have debt that most likely you're not doing it properly. I don't know about that. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but I do know you can really pay attention to where you're spending your money and be much more wise in the use of it than we asked. Yeah, there's actually somebody I should connect you with, a woman named Rhea Watson. I'm trying to remember which part of the country. And my brain is is um, blanking, but she would be a great partner with you. You got the Perfect. two of you. She actually figured out that you can start really early to get grants and things for college. But that's mm-hmm. another conversation. But uh, <laughs> but the debt thing is really huge. And I mm-hmm. think I have watched, and I bet you have too, families just plummet into misery because they have this Mm-hmm. determination that yep. might not even be exactly the path that the child wanted anyway. Uh, and then, you know, it caught that I, the question would be also, you know, in making your decisions, what about the, the joy health factor inside mm-hmm. of the family? Cause that stress that you were talking about before, and I've seen it because I, I was teaching in an international school and I'd watch this. I'm like, what do you mean you're on Prozac? What? You know, like this is craziness, you know? And what you said is this, it's setting the tone for life. Yep. Right. And so what are we teaching our kids as well about Mm decision-making, you know, and, and what factors are important? It's not just, you need, like you said, you need to have the name on your, you know, CV, your resume, but what about, you know, not being miserable for the next four to eight years or whatever it is. And what, you know, and how do you, you know, and it sounds like you have, uh, I'm sure a lot of amazing questions that you ask people. I mean, you, is that in any connection to that? You, you mentioned that in your book, the, the five pathways after, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and about the benefits and the, yeah. I mean, are, this is, what are those five pathways? If you were going to yeah. Give so there's, <laughs> they're really, no, I'll, I'll tell you all of them. I, I want to, I, I mean, I, <laughs> I know, but I want them to know like, well, yeah, what you they're know, getting into. <laughs> exactly. So the five pathways and they're not ranked in any particular order, but the first one is community college, right? And community college allows you to get a associates of arts degree or associate of science degree, as well as many certifications that you need to start any kind of employment. So an AA or AS degree can give you an access to a fee level or a pay level you might not have gotten otherwise, but it also gives you access to, if you want to transfer to a four-year college for less expensive money, right? And you can also get certifications to start at a job and you can be certified in multiple things just by attending a community college for up to two years even and be done. And then you have all the skills you need, except for life experience in that career, right? So that's does the that, first one. I'm sorry, Go ahead. I don't want to interrupt you, but does, uh, does that still, is that still a path when to take these days to help a GPA that wasn't perfect. And in the old days, you, you could go to community college. I was definitely one of those people who didn't enjoy cracking a book. 
I was bored. <laughs> I didn't like my teachers. I didn't like, I, you know, just, right. Uh, right. So I can remember that vividly. And so my grades were as good as they could be without cracking a book, which was better than they should have been. Uh, but then I went to college and I did a two year and mm-hmm. it totally transformed my mm-hmm. next, uh, my options. Right. So it, I guess that's still the case today, or is it a little different? No, it can be. And I think that's kind of the source of the stigma that we have around community colleges. Most kids won't even consider it because it means they weren't too, they weren't smart enough to get into a four-year mm. college, which is not true. Um, a community degree, if, for example, if you get an AA or degree and students can now start that as early as high school by taking dual enrollment classes while they're in their high school, if they get that, then both all of those classes they take automatically transfer if they're going to a four-year college and their general education requirements are done. That's it. okay. You froze. I can't hear you. Yes, degree. They accept your classes the way you take them. Does that make sense? I, I thought so. There was a little bit of an echo. So, so wait, let me go back to it, that again. Yeah, Can you hear me just, okay? you, yeah. Just where you you talked about um, dual enrollment. Yeah, what if that you, means. High school students can take a dual enrollment class. Now they can pretty much across the country. What that means is they're actually taking a college class at high school. And not every community college offers dual enrollment programs at local high schools. So you have to check your high school to see if they offer it. But if you do, you can start getting earned credit in a community college before you even graduate high school. They're usually less expensive than a four-year college class, right? Well, if you finish with an AA or an AS degree, if you make that commitment to finish that degree, then a four-year college takes all of that package and wipes out any general education course you have to take at their university basically telling you that you only have the degree classes left, which means financially it's less money time. It's less time there as well. And then if you needed time to mature or whatever else, you can use that time at a community college. And if you need to work and save money, great, you can do that. So that's kind of the benefit and the, the drawback though, community colleges, a lot of kids don't go away. They're at home still. Do you still want that 18 year old living at your house? You have to create new rules, you know, those kinds of things, you know, <laughs> So that's the, that's the, that's the first one. And the second one is having a gap season. And I call it a gap season, not a gap year because gap year makes you feel like you have a whole year. Um, there are accredited gap season programs that are actually funded by FAFSA. So if you fill out your FAFSA form, you can get um, scholarship or funding to some of these gap season programs. And I recommend doing your research gap force. Um, I think it's gapforce.org is a really great place to start. And there are gap season programs in anything you can think of. I mean, from the silly all the way up to the extreme, from three weeks to almost two years, there are a ton of opportunities for our kids to explore the world around them, to explore a passion, to see if it fits before they ever decide they're going to set up on a college campus. And a gap season can be done right after high school, or it can be done in the middle of college. It can be done anytime. But it's also a way for them, maybe even if they finish a community college degree and they want to take a gap season to make sure they want to work in that industry before they step in, then they've got that experience. They can also be used um, really strategically. I think Malia Obama brought them to the forefront when she took her gap season after high school to work in the film industry. And she went and got really real work experience as the grunt and doing the internships and so on. And that can be a really great experience for kids to think about, but nobody really stops to think about that opportunity. So that's the second one. Um, the third one would be the military. And I'm a very big supporter of the military because most people don't realize that every job that you see in, not, in civilian life exists in the military. 
you can do anything. They need cosmetologists. They need dog trainers. They need veterinarians. They need anything that you can think of. And so it's not only about combat, which I know we all have mixed feelings about, and I don't know if they want my son to be the front lines, and I get that. But the idea is a student who isn't quite sure what they want to do, but knows they have an idea, may not have funding for college in whatever capacity, or may just need some time, can enlist, or there's two other routes to get in the military, but they can enlist right off the bat, and they're being paid, and they're getting free college, and they're getting free training, and they're getting free travel. And if something does happen, God forbid, it's the only option that actually pays his family as a result. No other option will give a death, death benefit. But if you are interested in, in pursuing it as an officer, you go to a college first. You can do an ROTC program. You can do a regular college degree, or you can do a service academy, um, like the Naval Academy or the Air Force Academy and so on. You can do any of those. And then that what you do when you graduate is you step into the military as an officer within the field that you have your degree in. So this to me, and then your college, your next level gets paid for. So for example, I have a student who I work with, her goal is to be a lawyer, but she wants to be a JAG lawyer, which is in the Navy. So she's getting her AA. She's almost done with it. She'll be done with it by the end of her senior year. Cause she's been in a full dual enrollment program. She will then move into a four-year college to finish two years to get her degree pre-law. It's what she's planning on doing. And then she will enroll in the military and they will put her through law school. While she's in law school, she might be reserves, but might not, but she'll be in law school. And then as soon as she's done, she puts in her six years as a JAG lawyer paid for. So, you know, there's a lot of opportunity. And I think the military is a huge thing to think about political, you know, politics aside, have your child really look at it to, to see where it might fit. And each branch is completely different. So, you know, take some time. So that's the third one. I have to go with under my list. Hold on a second. I'm a little out of, I'm a little out of, I'm like, no, out of order here. that's all right. So the fourth one, make sure I get into the table of contents here. There we go. The fourth one here is to do an apprenticeship or a trade school, right? So apprenticeships are um, paid work experience that students can get as early as 16, depending on your state, depending on what's offered. Here in South Carolina, we have the leading, the national leading program for junior apprenticeships. It's called Apprenticeship SC. And so you can enroll in an apprenticeship at any one of the high schools around here and be able to start as early as 16, means your junior year of high school, you are, you have to apply. And if you're accepted, you are working with an industry expert mentor in the company who wanted to work with high school students. This is not just some grunt work. They want to train the next generation. You're working with them about 25, 30 hours a week. You're getting paid for that work. You get to make um, raises and bonuses. You can earn that and you're getting college credit. So by the time you're done, it's usually a two-year experience. You have two years of industry experience, two years of salary that you've saved up hopefully, and two years of college, not necessarily a full AA because you're in school and working, but you will have all of that experience under your belt and you have enough training to walk into the career you want at that point or continue on and finish up your degree and get more training if that's what you need. It's amazing why people don't think about this. Even if you only do this when you're 16, there are cosmetology programs that you can do even as a trade school or apprenticeship that by the time you're done, you now have a trade that you can work at to earn money to pay your way through college if that's your thing, right? So, and that leads into the trade schools. Um, trade schools are often looked at, looked down upon, and yet most of the graduates from trade schools are making thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, sometimes even more than current master's degrees because they're in such high demand. 
if you think about what's going on in our country right now, most people need people to come in and take care of their homes. COVID made us all want to stay home and fix up our homes. Where were the tradespeople then, right? So this is the industry that's growing. Think about your hairdresser. Do you go to your hairdresser and I, you pay a bunch of money for your hairdresser to do what they do to your hair? That's a trade. Right. So all of these are industry areas that can be really fun for our kids to get involved in and can bring them joy because it allows them to work with their hands. It's much more involved. And if you have a student who's not academically focused in brain work, then that's the thing you want to focus on because they can really help you know, learn a skill and earn a very good wage doing it and have essentially job for life. And that's the thing to think about too, with trades and apprenticeships is that you're getting real world training at the time of the industry. College gives you theoretical training. And so by the time you're out, you hope that it's still relevant. It may or may not be, but career training happens in an apprenticeship and a trade school. And so even if you choose to go to college after that, you probably know more because you're in the industry already. And you just maybe need a piece of paper to advance in that company. Make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Right. And then the, <laughs> then the fifth one is that four-year college, which also includes collegiate athletics. And I always tell parents, if their child wants to be a collegiate athlete, they really need to get to know some collegiate athletes at all the different levels and get a feel for what that's going to be like. The recruiting process is a part-time job. It's not something you just wait for some coach to show up and say, oh my gosh, I love you. Come to our school. That very rarely happens. Um, most kids will tell you, I want to go D1. I'm going to play for out you, you know, UCLA or UC Berkeley, Cal and all that are out here. You know, they want to play for Clemson and, you know, Alabama and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Okay. So if you look at the NCAA register website, less than 1% of kids in the entire nation get recruited by D1 or get full scholarships, less than 1%. So you got to rely on your academics, but you can, that's one way to go to college is to go to play athlete at your athletics at the next level. And so that's an option. You can really do that. You can also do it through community college if you're not quite the skill level you need to be and then get recruited to work at the four-year level and maybe even have a better experience. So there's that. And of course, there's the four-year college degree right out of high school, which says, hey, listen, I know I want what I want to do. I know the job that I want needs a college degree from even get in the door. So I need to go. And that's how I think we can really determine whether or not college is the best fit. But those are the five options that I talk about in the book. Oh my goodness. It's great. I mean, it's, it's good. I mean, there's some things that I think that most of us are sort of aware of, but mm -hmm. you're coming at them from a different angle. And then just mm -hmm. that the perspective is so important. And, you know, I wonder, so if you have somebody, you know, imagine I'm imagining that, you know, I, uh, I read your book, I want to work with you. And I, you know, I, we sit down in a session or whatnot. I mean, you have to tell me exactly like, what would that look like if I were to, okay, I want to really want to work with Stephanie and I've got a, I've got a, um, my child does just really doesn't know what she wants to do. Now my, my daughter's five, she is very clear. So I, I doubt that that'll be the case, but you never know. So, but no, if, if we, you know, if somebody wants to go work with you, like, how does that work? You know, we're of course at the end going to, um, and in the description, we'll have ways in which they can connect with you and all that. But how does that look as far as the process? You froze again. Yeah, I was saying you, fro you, froze, you froze again. Too. Oh, no, we both, froze. we both froze. We both froze. So what I heard, what I think I heard you say is if you finish the book and you're a parent and you come and you want to work to work with me, what does that process look like? Is that yes, right? Okay, exactly. So first I tend to, when I'm working with parents, I tend to try and ask them what it is that they are looking for, what, it, what help specifically that they really want, because it may be, I just need help understanding 
my child differently, or I need help letting go of my own expectation, or I need help understanding all these options in a different way. So I really want to be clear about what it is they really need. And then we kind of work through it based on individual experience. For example, I had a parent last year that I was coaching through and I was coaching her son at the same time. And she was struggling because he wasn't living up to her expectations. And she did not know how to make peace with that. She did not know how to understand that he was okay the way he was. And it was legitimate. She, you know, this is, she had this whole, it's supposed to be this way. And if it's not this way, it's not right. No judgment whatsoever. She needed to help change her mindset. And that's kind of the coaching I do with parents is to help parents change their mindset. How do you think about what success is? How do you define success for yourself? How has that changed since you were 17? And would you want somebody at 17 to tell you what success is supposed to be for you? And when you think about it that way, what does that do for your perceptions? Those kinds of questions tend to help parents go, oh, I hadn't thought about it that way. And I get it. None of us do. We don't, nobody teaches us as parents how to help our kids figure out what to do after high school. Nobody does. This is not something that we're taught ever. I talk about all the time that we have all these baby books when they're born or even before they're born about how to be a great parent. And all of a sudden they hit the middle school years or high school years and everybody's silent. Are you kidding me? That's when we need you the most, right? So I try and help parents kind of find some peace about it and to let go of that expectation, whatever they might have and open up to see the benefits of their child choosing their best options for themselves at this point. The bigger fear then comes in, well, what if they're not successful? What if they struggle? What if they fail? And so I asked them, what if they fail? Nobody really thinks about that answer. So your son fails out of college. What does it mean? It means they know the college is not the right fit. All right, what's next? It doesn't mean they're a bad person. doesn't mean they're a failure. It just means that that didn't work. All right, so what if your child chooses to work in an industry who's not going to make any money whatsoever? Whether or not, where, you know, where, they, where you think they won't make like a livable wage, like yeah. they're not going to make enough money. I'm like, well, they'll figure out how to pay rent or are you going to pay rent for them? What's that boundary going to be? Well, I'm not going to pay the rent. Great. Then they'll figure it out. They'll either get a second job or they'll live with roommates and it may not be what you want, but they'll figure that out. If this is important to them. Okay. And if you had somebody come in with a child who just really didn't feel any direction, whose grades were mm-hmm. okay, like they might be better at the arts or some, I, maybe not even that. Um, they're just really lost. Like don't know mm-hmm. what, didn't, didn't want to fill out that, that test that they always have you do mid high school, like <laughs> what your career is going to be where they're like test tube cleaner. I remember thinking like, Oh, right, no, no, they can do that. Test. Is the newest one. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> uh, but, but, uh, you know, do you start exploring just everything that they're doing in their lives? Like how do you approach, you know, what's next? with them. Yeah. Well, one of the things I do in the book is I put this whole guide in there about how to help kids identify what's most important to them. And so it usually starts with a values clarification exercise. You know, what is important to you? And when we start talking through the different values that they might have and how they want to see those values play out in their life, things tend to fall off that they might've not really thought about. Careers tend to not be a part of it. For example, someone who values family and wants to be around for their family, if they choose to have children and they want to be there for their kids is not going to choose a job that's going to have them travel all over the world. Well, that changes the dynamic of what they might look at. If someone wants to work with their hands and they know that it's important to them and if they have to sit behind a desk, they're going to be absolutely miserable. And that cuts off a whole other group of careers. And so we kind of take a look at their values and what's important to them. 
Once we have that kind of solid list, we look through the 16 career industries. There's 16 of them. And almost every type of learning style, almost every type of need for education or way they want to behave, whether it's hands-on or whatever, can be found in each one of the 16 career profiles. And so we look at each one and say, let's start with the ones you know for sure you're not doing like you side of blood and can't stand needles. You're probably not going to be in the medical industry. All right, let's cut that one off. Let's move on to one of the others. And we kind of work through each of those until they feel like they've got a good at a particular career industry or a couple, and then they're on their own. And I don't mean like I send them off. I say, okay, now start researching which ones are popular for you, which ones are popping out. And there's several got, um, .gov sites that actually give you details about each career, including it's days you can get into that career. And I include that link in the book for sure, but it's a whole bunch of information. Oh my, it's a whole <laughs> bunch of information. Sorry. I just realized it just pops up. Um, there's a whole bunch of information to help kids kind of figure it out, but no one knows how to manage that. And it can feel very overwhelming and like, oh, it's too much. So I just help break it down into smaller pieces and we just work through it together. And once they kind of get an idea, then we start breaking down that career even further, a career cluster even further, which types, what does it look like to get into this industry? How do you have to get into that? Which pathway works best for you? How does, how do we want to combine pathways maybe? Um, and how do you want to put that together? I'm kind of playing it from there. Well, I, I love the piece where you, you have them dig in and take some action because that ownership of the process is so important Mm -hmm. rather than somebody, you know, like you said, somebody, uh, well, actually some of us for our whole lifetime, but you know, especially that period of time telling, being told what to do, even if they're looking for something is a very Mm -hmm. different experience to realizing it yourself through the process. So I love Mm -hmm. that that's a piece inside of there, um, because, you know, you know, you watch it in action as a teacher, right? If they're doing right. it versus you're just lecturing at them, but they're discovering right. things on their own. So that's fantastic. And, you know, I, I also, you know, heard the piece where you're, you were talking about sort of the dynamic between parent and children and, you know, choices. And, and so it also makes me think about, you know, your own experience uh, on the path towards realizing this is your work and, beginning, like digging into this and doing the book and how that was inside of your own family, that process. Yeah. So, um, very funny when I was doing my coaching certification, I had my, one of the very first assignments was you need to call somebody or have somebody call you and have the, ask them if you can coach them and try these new techniques. So I was like, I don't even know who I'm going to call. I certainly I call my husband. Cause that's just going to be weird. What are we going to do? You know? And so <laughs> right then my daughter calls and she's like, mom, and she's starting, she's like, I got this issue. I got this drama. I said, well, listen, would you like, would it be okay if I tested out some of these new coaching practices on you and just kind of work through this with you? She's like, well, okay, whatever. I just need to tell you, I just need to tell you what's going on. Okay, great. So I did. And coaching is all about not owning the circumstance, not judging the circumstance, believing that the person that's talking to you can work their way through the circumstance. They just don't know how, and those questions are meant to guide them to it. Not an answer that I think they should do, but an answer that they want to come to. And so at the end of that 45 minute conversation with my daughter, and she was 19 at the time, she said, mom, this is the most important, most valuable, best conversation I've ever had with you. You are my coach for life. And we today still go, she'll call and say, oh my gosh, mom, there's this and this. I said, do you want coach mom or regular mom? She goes, I need regular mom today. I said, okay, great. So we walked through that dynamic. So when I started talking about this, she was like, of course, you know, this makes sense, mom, you, you get this. And my son at the time was trying to figure out what to do with his life, what major, or if he was going to go to college, if he's going to get recruited, this whole thing. And so I worked on this process with him and started coaching him through that process. So I did this as a parent, 
because I wanted to see what it was like for me to do this, how that (laughs) impacted my kids. And we didn't have the arguments and the tears and the frustrations that a lot of parents claim that they're dealing with, with their kids. We didn't have the eye rolls and that kind of stuff. That does not mean I'm a perfect parent. There were days that I messed it up for sure. I just practiced it. So I wrote that stuff down into the book. Those are the kinds of questions that I give parents to ask their children. What do you think about this option? What research have you done about this option? How do you want to pay for this option? You know, what does that conversation look like? And it's not about me owning, it's about putting it on them. And so Mm -hmm. when I was starting to write the book um, at that point, let's see, my children were out of the house. So I was an empty nester. So it doesn't necessarily impact us that much, but it was here. My husband was working from home. I still had clients I was building. There was a lot going around. And so it really was a labor of love, but it was a labor of purpose because every client I was meeting, it was that same conversation. I went, Oh, so this is something people need this. I didn't know this. I just was writing it. And so it just became more of a way to, um, share the information, but it wasn't, I mean, it's, it's, it was hard to write mostly because one, I can't type, which is a funny, a fun fact. I have no idea how to type. I have to look at the keyboard the whole time and I spell errors all the time. And, um, putting it together was something I was familiar with a girlfriend of mine and I, we had opened a publishing company years back. And so we'd been through this process. So it was new for me on that. So that part wasn't necessarily stressful. What was stressful is, am I getting the right coaching questions in? Am I giving parents the right resources so that they feel by the end of this book that they have a handle on it. So if they call me and say, I need your help. I feel like, Oh, wait, did you miss something in the book or did I not give it right for you? How can I help you get that? Cause that was the point. There's only as far as I know, there's only one of me who does this. I can't help every kid in the world, but I can write a book. And if I write that book, maybe I can help those parents figure out how to do this and they can get much more narrow about what it is they're really looking for. And they can get the guidance they need without having to try and find time to work with me. Yeah. And that's, that's the, the ultimate challenge, isn't it? Is like, is it all there? Am I expressing it in the way that makes sense? Like really committing to those things. I go through that. I would say the last few decades, every time I'm doing a workshop, a program of training, something like, I always feel that way. You know, you think it gets easier, but, but I I actually, isn't it also, I mean, what I feel from you is that really that intention to really want to provide a a true resource that Mm -hmm. great, if they can work with you, fantastic. But if they can carry around this, you know, nice hand size book around with them and, and glean, you know, knowledge and uh, uh, exhales, you know, inside of everything to make parenting and the whole journey better than, than yay. Right. I mean, exactly, exactly. And I, you know, on Facebook, I put a, I have a great Facebook group for parents and in there, I, if there's new information I come across, I'm putting it in there. I'm sharing it. I'm talking about all the different options in a whole new way, just because it, there it's always morphing. Something new is coming out about community college. Like for example, this week, it looks like it's not going to get paid for, like we thought it was going to be. So what does that mean? How do you think through that dynamic? I give free resources every month with people who subscribe to my newsletter and I don't sell stuff. Like I'm not telling you go buy my book. I give away a bunch <laughs> of stuff because again, as much as I want to run a business and own it and make money and all that stuff, it really is about how can I change the culture that we live in? Because we live in a culture that says there's only one way to be successful. And I think Mm. that mold needs to be broken because too many kids are are feeling like they can't be successful and feeling that they're stuck because they're not successful in that one way. And too many parents are freaking out 
not, you know, I get it. I totally get it, but they're freaking out because their child isn't performing at the right level, starting in middle school. They're not good enough. Nobody intends to give the message said like that to their child, but that's the message. Our children, our, not just yours at ours are getting is that they're not good enough. If they can't get into the top college in their area, that's not right to me. That bothers me. I can't stand that thought process because it means some child feels like they're not going to be able to do anything in their world. And then we have a group, we have groups of kids who don't do anything because they were told they're never going to be successful. That's not right. Right. So then they give up before they've even started. And that's, that's heartbreaking. And I know from, you know, earlier in the call, you were talking about some of the students that you work with that Mm -hmm. didn't look like they, from the outside average view, Mm -hmm. didn't look like they had a future. I work with some kids like that in Marin. And I remember it was sort of the last stop school before Juvie, you know, basically. And I remember watching these kids and we gave them programs to um, explore different things and watching that light that comes Mm -hmm. to the eye when they go from what you're talking about of just giving up to, oh, there might be something for me. Right. And that you're giving that opportunity for parents or, you know, kids who discover the book and maybe right. gently put it under the door of their parents. <laughs> no, I don't know. Because uh, we have all kinds of people listening out there. But um, I'm just curious, you in the process, was there anything in writing the book that was sort of a surprise like that yeah. you didn't expect? Yeah, there was, there was a lot. First, when I first started looking into the military as an option, I had no idea how in depth the careers are within that particular option. I, I had no idea. I was like most parents, oh my gosh, front lines, we're in battle, we learn gun. I had no idea the depth of it. And when I sat down with a, a captain in the Navy and we had a almost a two hour conversation, I was, my eyes were completely blown. And so I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. This is what a military experience can do for a, a student. I had no idea. Um, not only that, you know, you think about the veteran benefits and so on. So that surprised me when I was doing the research. Another thing that surprised me was learning about apprenticeships. Um, those are relatively new in my field of experience. I don't think they, I think they're probably relatively new for the country in, as a whole, but I know in other countries, apprenticeships are kind of common, right? So it's new here. And the more research I did, I went, why are kids not flocking to this? And when I was speaking to the director of the apprenticeship program here in South Carolina, she was saying, we have, you know, graduates, it's just getting started, but out of our 108 graduates in the last couple of years, seven of them own their own houses. They're 20. What? They have enough (laughs) money to be able to do this. And they didn't have any debt along the way. What? And they're working in the industry that they were trained in and they're thriving and they're happy. Hold on the phone. So it was those kinds of things. I thought I had just as much ingrained the cultural belief that college was the pathway to success as any other parent. I just stopped and went, wait, does it make sense for this kid to go to college? Wait, we have $200,000 of debt that somebody's paying off for however many years. That can't be right. There's got to be something else. And that's kind of what led me to this. So those were some big, some big surprises for me in the book. Mm, Wow. And being in Europe, it's true. It's funny. I never thought that we don't really have much of that. And it starts quite early there. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're also quite secure minded as well to right. nobody's going to be left behind, so to speak. But, right. um, was there any, a point at any time that you were like, not going to continue with this project or was uh, it just that drive always there? 
Yeah. One thing, in fact, <laughs> if, if there was anybody in this room who knew me, they'd be laughing right now because there's one thing, if I, if I commit to something, I'm all in and I'm all in on a level that most people don't. And that's not anything about pride. It's just sometimes I get a little nuts about things. And so <laughs> I just, I'm all in. And this is something to this day that I still continually learn about. And I still continually talk about, and it's still refining, you know, the whole break the mold message wasn't something I even had could voice when I first started writing this book, the idea that this is what I was really about. My heart is, I don't want any kid to believe there's only one way to get, to get success. There's their way to get success. And that has to be okay. And they've got to be feeling that they can choose that. And I think that starts with parents. I think it starts with educators too, and guidance counselors and so on. Cause I'm hearing story after story of eighth grade guidance counselors telling kids, Oh, you don't have a good enough grades to get in that school. I would put that school off your list. What? I get what? so mad. I mean, I've heard it. I've, I mean, I've watched it. I've heard it. And be, mm-hmm. I, I was often the sub. So I got all the inside information. Right. right. And yes. I would quietly relay without giving names. You guys got to think about your messages here because that right. stuff sticks. Just like your second grade teacher, yep. some things stick, both the lovely things and the not so lovely comments. They stick. And, you know, yeah, it's, that's what it's you're... very, very true. And th- this yeah. was, you know, these are seniors in high school are trying to explore what they want to do. And we kind of get to the idea of what they really want. And they're always thought process. Well, I was told I couldn't do that. I was told I wouldn't be good enough at that. I, I, my eighth grade guidance counselor told me I couldn't get into that. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And I think the biggest turning point for me was um, during COVID, I, my mother-in-law passed and we were out in California and hanging with my sister-in-law and my niece and her children. And my sister-in-law's son, he was sitting there second grade. He was sitting there trying to do a zoom, which, oh, I can't even imagine those poor teachers and the poor kids and the poor families, but so trying to do a zoom. And the teacher said, now, remember, you've got to make sure you do this really well, or you won't get into a good college. And I went, <laughs> you're just, <laughs> I, 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 I had to bite my tongue a little bit because so, I, otherwise <sighs> I would have jumped to the screen. And I didn't realize until that moment, how important this was to me. And how pervasive this message had gotten. It's not the fault of that teacher. It's not the fault of the parents. It's not a fault. It's a cultural dynamic. And we have absorbed that and built that over the last several decades. And I need it to change because I don't want a kid to feel like they can't do something simply because in second grade, they couldn't get a color sheet done right. I mean, seriously. (laughs) So I I think, I think that's kind of where we're at. We have this huge level of on kids, but we don't tell them how to build success for themselves. So we feed spoon feed them into testing and everything else so they can get where they need to go, but we don't teach them how to build that success for themselves. And then no wonder they have no idea what to do because no one's telling them anymore what to do. So I can go off on that tangent. for No, a long time. I, I can imagine. <laughs> and I know, I know that, you know, probably in the heart of that teacher was a, a good intention without mm-hmm. fully realizing. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I somehow already can feel that I know that, you know, this is, you know, the project is, is um, echoing out right now, but I, I can imagine you sitting down also with teachers and doing some mm-hmm. great sessions to educate mm-hmm. them, you know, first the parents, the teens, and let's get to the teachers to remind them of probably why they started teaching in the first place and, you know, what yeah. kind of got lost in the mix and um, making it like you have the book, you know, making it, you know, a, a available in a way that doesn't feel mm-hmm. like another task. Mm-hmm. that admin has brought on mm-hmm. them, but that could be helpful also inside of um, their journey with kids, because also they're going to have kids that are more motivated if they feel seen and whatnot. Yeah. So um, thank you. And I just want to say first, uh, if you give us one last 
thing for parents, you know, what would, what would your last words be or your first words? What would you leave us with as far as um, if you could give any advice connected to your highest dream? What would that be? Mm. Encourage your children to explore everything and determine for themselves what success looks like and support them no matter what they say, no matter how crazy it sounds, because they'll figure it out. Amazing. And what would be, uh, how could we best support you in your highest dream that you have? Man, I would love for this message to impact you as a parent that you would own this and say, oh yes, I don't want to follow the crowd. I want to help my child own this for themselves and become the best version of themselves. They can be no matter what that looks like. So if you can get that in your heart, then you've, then you've done it. And if you need the book, get the book, you can get it on Amazon, you know, that kind of stuff. You want to join the, join the Facebook group, join the Facebook group. Even if you don't have an eighth grader, I'm taking younger parents now. I'm going to change the questions, but come in and learn, (laughs) come in and find out all about, because it's, it's about changing the mindset of our culture and whatever way I can do that for you, come do it. Yay. And on that note, of course, let us know how we can find you where, you know, (laughs) the book, the Facebook group, where we can see your posts popping up, whatever it is that you're into. And of course we'll put it in the description so that people can, you know, easily get it if they're driving and listening to this. Well, thank you. Um, the website, stephaniehaines.com. Oh no, you froze. Wait a minute. (laughs) Shoot. Hold on a second. I can go to the resources. I'll wait. Am I back? Oh, goodness. Take a breath. Are we, can you hear me back now? Yes, you're back. Okay. Start again. Oh, okay, <laughs> All right. So on the web, you can pains.net. And if you want to get my monthly newsletter, go to the resources tab and click on the high school parent subscribe form. Even if you're not a high school parent, that's okay. Um, you can also find the blog there. And I have written about every option. I've written about finances and college and tuition, all that kind of stuff. So you can find the blog and read that if you want. On Facebook, I'm Ed Coach Steph Haynes, S-T-E-P-H-H-A-Y-N-E-S. The Facebook group is College is Not Mandatory. And you'll see a picture of the book. That's the cover image. So you can see that. And on Instagram, I am Ed Coach Steph Haynes as well. So those are where you can find me. And um, if you have any questions, of course, there's the contact me button on my website. Feel free to reach out. Yay. Oh, Stephanie, I'm so happy that you you followed this you know, this little light that was sort of guiding you to share this information that you've been using in your own life. I'm ever thankful that you're not only a voice for parents, but for teachers, for students that you are, you know, you really opened yourself to what was needed. And, and this is such an opportunity you created not only for the kids, but the parents who are struggling on their own path right now as the whole world's changing, Mm -hmm. they're calling it the massive reset. Mm -hmm. And here, your book, I feel so deeply as soon as I held it in my hands that as parents are guiding their kids, they're also guiding themselves. And I can Mm -hmm. really feel that intention that you've put in there. And I'm so thankful that you're here on the planet and you've created this and um, you're sharing this with our audience. So thank you. You're welcome. And I definitely appreciate that. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. Have a beautifully imperfect day. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You too. Thank you for listening to our very imperfect parenting podcast. If you'd like a little more like live coaching sessions, then jump into facebook.com backslash IP parents. You can also write me at Ariel at imperfect or jump on that site for other resources like book reviews and other fun things. 
if you would just share with one person or let one person know about this podcast that helps us a lot as well we have patreon with extra privileges and have a beautifully imperfect day thank you so much for being out there